0: testify about who got um dave lebeau it was good to have him back with us um after his surgery Um, and he was just giving god glory after his hip replacement surgery things didn't go so well but god really healed him um and used the doctors and 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 um and then to hear have hector here just giving glory to god uh and we know that there are many stories in this church um from you guys who have experienced healing. How many, just show of hands, have experienced God's healing touch? And I mean like healing, miraculous healing, that, that He's touched you and, and your lives have been different. Um, you guys get to hear my stories all the time, and so I won't tell you them again. But um, we're, we're launching off, and, and, and I've been saying this for, for a few weeks now. We're going to be preaching on healing um, for the next several weeks, and it's going to culminate um, right now at this point with a healing service on Good Friday. Uh, and again, it's not gonna, I wanted to end there. This is not something we're just gonna check a box on and say, okay, we're gonna preach on healing. I really want us to embrace this, and I want I want the church to move in this. I want us to, us to be defined by this. Not that, oh, we are a church that no, but that God, through the power of his name, heals people. That is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit's power in this church, and people's lives are transformed. Why? So that people will see not just us talk about salvation, but they will see salvation. They will see freedom. They will see sickness healed today and, 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 and every Sunday and every time we get together, that his name would be glorified. So, um, I have been asking you to each service. Um, I want to ask you again. I know we're a friendly church, and I said this earlier today, but some of you guys weren't here. Um, I know we're a friendly church, and I know that when we come in in the mornings, we like to shake hands and and talk. And that's great, but I want to ask us to change that for the next few weeks. I want when we come in before service, would you just come and would you sit and would you just be still? And we'll have music playing, but would you just pray? I want us to pray for our services. I want us to pray for the healing service. I want to pray that God's power would move. Um, it'd move in the messages, it'd move in our worship, it'd move in our prayer, and that he would open up our hearts to hear from him. I don't want us just to come and hear about healing and receive healing. That's great. I want you to receive healing. I want you to be transformed by healing. And then I want you to walk in the image of Christ in that healing and basically go out like Christ did and touch and pray other for other people and they be healed because of who Christ is in you. This is not just about freely us getting but us giving it just transforms everything about us would you bow your heads with me this one i just want to pray again before we get into this well jesus we just come before you and we acknowledge the authority and the power of your name and lord jesus i just pray father that it would be your words that are spoken here this morning God, if any other words are spoken, if they simply hear a message from someone, it means nothing. But I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move. And God, that you would open up our hearts to hear from you, to be challenged by you, to be transformed by you. To be healed by you, Lord God. That your name would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hello. How are you? Did someone lose a child? Because she's mine now. Hey, you want to preach with me? Who does this belong to? Hey, how are you? Yeah. Oh, oh okay. Oh. All right. Well, that was the first for me. Altar call came early. We know God is already moving. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. I want to talk to you this morning about the power in the name of Jesus. How many of you know there is power and authority in his name? And before we go any further with healing, I really want us to grasp that. I mean, I want us to understand that because when we pray and we pray in the name of Jesus, we need to know what we're praying. We know why we're praying that way and, and, and and, and what it does and what exactly it is that we're saying. Because many of us pray apathetically in his name. Right? We say it without even thinking. Bless us, feed our bodies. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless this, do this. In Jesus' name, amen. Because we've been taught this is what we do. But man, if we can just open up our minds and grasp and go, wait a second, why do we pray this? What exactly are we saying when we invoke the name of Jesus? Chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking, jumping, and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And then Peter and John, if you jump down to verses 15 through 16, Peter and John, they start speaking to the witnesses, to the people that actually witnessed this. And this is what they said, starting at verse 15. They say, "You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead." We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that he has been completely healed, as you all can see. I want you to think about this. Here's this man. And he's been crippled for a long time. And the people all know him. They've all seen him. And for 40 years, right, 40 years he's been this way. I imagine after 40 years that he might come to grips with the fact that he's crippled. Maybe he just accepted the fact. Maybe he doesn't even try. Maybe he's just like, hey, this is just now who I am. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, it can happen with us sometimes. That we can look at our circumstances and, 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 and we can go, you know what, maybe I'm this is just who I am, this is the sickness that I'm in, or this is the heartache that I carry, or because of this abuse, this is just the hurt that I feel, this is just the way it's been. And so we still walk in bondage and we still walk in sickness, and we still walk in so many ways because we've kind of accepted the fact. And so here's this man, he's been there for many years, and he sees Peter and John coming. And what he asks them for is for money. But what he receives is far greater than finances. Peter and John look at and say, you know what, finances we do not have, silver gold we do not have, but what we do have, we freely give. And they look at this man. They look at this man and they say, in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk and instantly Instantly, this crippled man. And I imagine, you know, people who can't walk after years, their legs begin to deteriorate, the muscles begin to to shrink, and their legs become like nothing. Instantly, this man's legs were strengthened, and he jumped to his feet. Now, you're a bystander, and you're walking along, and you see this man, he has this interaction with these two men, and all of a sudden, you see muscles grow in his Feet and his legs and his ankles and this crippled man who you've seen for years jumps to his feet and starts jumping and walking you don't just walk by that you don't go oh, that's kind of cool and walk on no that stops you in your tracks that grips your heart and immediately you're like what just happened even if you don't believe that that's possible, you stop because now you've seen it. That's exactly what happened. And Peter and John, they address the witnesses and they say, guys, this Jesus whom you crucified, it's through the power of his name that this man whom you know and have seen, you know him to be crippled. It's through the power of this name that he now stands and walks and jumps and praises God. See, the apostles, to the apostles, that name of Jesus was precious. It proclaimed who and what he is. It wasn't just a name. It proclaimed who and what he is. And for Paul, he too had such a profound respect for the name of Jesus in Philippians 2.9, he said this. He said, it's the name which is above every name. It's the name above all names. And the Hebrews, they attached great significance to the choosing of a name for a newborn child. The name indicated the role that child was to play in the family or in the history of God's chosen people. That's why John the Baptist was named by who? The angels, not by his parents, because he had a role to play. It was divine. And so that name came from God, and the angels delivered that name to his parents. said, no, you're not going to name what you want to name him. You're going to name him this. Francis McNutt writes this, too. He says, it's of little wonder, then, that when God came to dwell among us, he chose a name that would indicate both who he was and what his mission would be. And we see the same thing, right? In Luke chapter 1, verse 32, the angel Gabriel, he appears to Mary and he says, You are to conceive and bear a son, and you must name him Jesus. This is so important that that, that, that this name is going to come. Not just the child is coming from heaven, but the name is coming from heaven. Because this, this child was being identified in the very name that he was given. By his name. You're going to understand His character. You're going to understand who God is. And in His name, this is going to be made clear. You are to name Him Jesus. And the word Jesus in Aramaic means Yahweh is salvation. God is salvation. And though it was not an uncommon name in that day, that name proclaimed the very mission of the one who bore it. He who was the Messiah, the Anointed One, or the Christ. He had come to express by word and by work that Yahweh, God, is salvation. The name Jesus means the salvation of God. And I'm going to pause here real quick. Roy, can you get me some batteries? Because my mic is going in and out. And if I'm distracted by it, sorry guys. You guys hear me? Okay, much better. All right, sorry about that. So Yahweh is salvation. This word Jesus and Aramaic meant salvation. It meant freedom. It meant this is who God is. And so they, Gabriel came and said, this is what you're going to name him, because when people even call him by name, when they even address him, they're going to address him as salvation. And, and, the, and, and, and the Jews knew what this meant. For you and I, we think, okay, Jesus, but imagine someone's name being salvation. Hector's name, hey, it's salvation. When you think of that, every time you address him, salvation, the meaning of that, you're confronted with the meaning of that. And so he was given this name. Because he had come to express by word, but not just by word, not just by speaking, but also by work, that Yahweh, God, is salvation. See, there was going to be a demonstration is going to come and preach about it how he would move how he would live how he would interact with people would declare salvation because when he interacted with other people when the sick encountered him when those in bondage encountered him when the demon possessed encountered him, they were liberated and they were freed and it wasn't just their soul spiritually that was healed it was everything about them that was healed body soul spirit the name jesus means salvation of god and so the angel comes you're going to have this boy and you're going to name him salvation Because this is who he's going to be. And this is the role that he's going to walk in. And in this name, he is a reflection of God. He is God. He is God with flesh. And by him, you will know God. And the way he moves and loves, you will know God and see God. You won't just hear God. You will experience God. By his name. And God began to speak to the prophet Isaiah way before Jesus even came. And God began to describe himself and who Jesus would be before they even knew the name of Jesus. He began to describe the character of God, the character of the Messiah who was coming through the prophet Isaiah. And the prophet Isaiah wrote this. Isaiah 35, verse 4 through 6. He says, Say to those With fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear. Your God will come. And He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. And then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. In Isaiah 42, 6 through 8. The prophet writes, I will take hold of your hand and I will keep you and I will make you to be a covenant for my people and a light for the Gentiles to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. All of this being said, all of this being a description of Jesus Christ before he even entered this world. Isaiah 53, 4-5, through 5, Surely he took up our infirmities and he carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was cursed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Isaiah 61, he writes again, He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, to release the prisoners from darkness, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve, to to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of despair. And this is precisely how Jesus conceived his mission and how he came. And we see this fulfilled in the way Jesus moves. Not just in the way that he talks. Not just in the way that he preaches. But man, the way he acted. His eyes of compassion. How many times do we read that when he saw someone who was hurting, he looked upon them with eyes of compassion. He saw into their souls. He saw into their hearts. He saw their grief. And he restored them and he healed them. He restored people so many times of these physical healings, right? But what we sometimes kind of, we kind of glaze over, sometimes I think it's probably easier probably to, feel the, to heal the physical side of things than maybe the emotional scars that people carry. Sometimes we expect, God, maybe God can heal me this, but this scar that I carry because of whatever abuse I went through, whatever horrific things happened to me, man, that's in me. It's almost, I'm, I'm almost identified by that because it has kind of changed me. And maybe who I am has been changed by this thing. And so many of us kind of walk in bondage and carry those things. And Jesus didn't just heal physically. He healed the whole person. And yes, he healed those who were crippled. But I want to tell you, I want you to think about this. The people that were, that were, were sick with leprosy, right? Yes, they had this horrific physical disease. It was terrible. And it was it was a death sentence to them physically, but man, also socially, emotionally, they were rejected and pushed aside. They didn't even they couldn't even hang out with their families for encouragement. They were secluded and rejected by everybody. Even the priests, even the religious leaders, didn't want to have anything to do with them. And when Jesus comes and he heals the leper and he heals from leprosy, yes, he healed the physical disease, but man, he changed and transformed everything in their lives. Everything was restored back to them socially. Socially. They were restored back to their families. They were helped. They were healed. Their lives came back to them. God doesn't just heal physically, and He restores people's lives. He binds up the brokenhearted. He sets the captives free. And there are many of us still living in captivity today. Oppressed by feelings and hurts and emotions. Impressed by maybe the own unforgiveness that we don't offer up to other people. And God says you don't have to live like that. And when you invoke the name of Jesus, when you call on Jesus, you who are a captive, me who is a captive, when I call on the name of Jesus, I say, Jesus Christ, Jesus God of salvation. God of freedom, God of bondage breaker, God my deliverer, and I pray in that name. I come to him in captivity. That captivity cannot stand in the name of who Jesus is, because he's defined by the his name. His name is who God is. He was given that name so we would have a better picture and understanding of who he is, and what he does, and how he moves. And so Jesus embraces this mission because it is who he is. And when he comes, the time of the Messiah would be a time of healing. It would be a time of liberation. It would be a time of salvation. McNutt writes this, Because the Hebrews did not think of human beings as being divided into body and soul, but as a whole person, when they spoke of salvation, they thought not only of saving souls, but of healing persons. And our person includes our body, our feelings, our spirits. And the healing acts of Jesus were themselves the message that he had come to set us free. So the message was not just what he said. The message was visible, physically visible in what was taking place when people encountered him. They encountered him crippled and they left healed and walking they encountered him blind and they left with sight they encountered him deaf and they left hearing they encountered him sick and they left healed it wasn't just a verbal message it was a physical message it declared who he was it declared the kingdom of god the sign of salvation was that people were actually being saved restored to all that they had lost After the temptation of Jesus, he went to the synagogue in Nazareth, and it was there that he read the words of Isaiah, really pretty much before his ministry really began. Luke chapter 4, 17 through 21 says this, And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So what he said was, he went to them and he read the scroll, the prophecies of the Messiah. He reads this from Isaiah. And he says to all the people there, this is who I am. He says, today, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. And they hated him for it. They hated him for it. But he said, and he declared to us as well, I am that man. I am the one who will set the captives free. And then he walked it and lived it. Jesus came to do basically two things. Number one, to give us new life a loving relationship of union with his Father and with himself through the Holy Spirit. And number two, to heal and free or save us from all those sick elements in our lives that need to be transformed so that new life may freely enter in. And this is the good news. Christianity is more than a doctrine. It's power. And it's power. Jesus didn't come with his words. He came with power. He came with authority. And everything bowed before it. It's the power to transform our lives that many of us have seen. It's the power to transform the lives of other people, to destroy the evil that prevents us from loving God and loving our neighbor. And the danger that we face in Christianity is and always will be that we will let this merely remain a doctrine, a truth to be believed. And that we do not understand how to let the reality of Christ's saving power penetrate to the very center of our being. And so it becomes head knowledge. Yes, this is who Jesus is, but I don't really experience who He is in myself. The gospel of Christ is a gospel of power. The early church grew And grew rapidly. Why? Not simply because words were preached. Because they saw a power in the demonstration of God moving. Go back to that man. Forty years. He's been crippled. He encounters Christ through Peter and John. And instantly his legs are restored. And a man who has been crippled for 40 years, jumps to his feet and is praising God. I don't care how skeptical you are, you can't walk by that when you see that. And that's exactly what happened. And they're going, wait a second. All I know is this is what I have seen. You know, I do remember that time when when God miraculously healed my tooth, which had been cracked when I was in the mission field. I've told that story many times, but I just remember, I didn't say this first service, but I remember after two months of it being cracked and finally getting back to the main island where there's finally some medical help, I remember the dentist walking in front of me and saying to me, um, when did you do this? And I said, two months ago. And he said, that's impossible. You couldn't have done this two months ago. He said, because the crack that you have in that tooth, within three days, it should have been black. I forget what he said, the gum, the tooth, but something was supposed to be black. I had gauze stuffed in my mouth. I wasn't hearing a whole lot. He said, this is impossible. This didn't happen two months ago. And I said, "Ah, it did. My mouth full of gauze. He said, I don't believe this. I said, look, I prayed. He said, don't tell me that. Okay. And then he walked literally in front of the chair like this. You don't see many dentists doing this. Maybe it's a thorough country thing, but but he was a very educated man. Um, He was a dental surgeon. Um, And he just walked in front of the chair, and he was rubbing his head. And he took his glasses off, like the fist, like, take your glasses off this way. He takes his glasses off, he rubs his head, and he says, I do not understand what the x-rays show me is one thing, but what I see with my eyes is another thing. That is the power of who God is. And that was confirmed, by the way, when I came back to the States two years later, I went to the dentist. And the the hygienist was looking at the x-rays and says, this is weird. She calls a dentist and she says, hey, you need to look at this. Something weird is going on with this tooth. And they looked at it and the dentist said, what? His tooth has recalcified. It grew back together. It doesn't happen. And he went and got another dentist and he came in and looked at it and said, what's going on here? And and this dentist said this. He says, I saw this one other time. He said, there was a soldier in Iraq that had, had his tooth cracked like this and it recalcified. Well, maybe he was a Christian too. All I know is that that is the power of God. And so these people, they witness this, and it's kind of like that dentist, they rub their eyes and go, I don't even believe this, but I can't help but deny. I can't deny what I see with my eyes. It's in front of me. And so when Jesus came and he walked, he didn't just preach salvation. They saw salvation. They saw it in their bodies. They saw the healing. And Jesus didn't do this to prove his message. Most of the time, he told the people that don't go and say anything to anybody. Right? It's not the way we would do things. We didn't go tell everybody. But he said, don't tell anybody. But they couldn't help but speak about what they'd received. But see, Jesus looked upon them with eyes of compassion and eyes of love. And love was always present in healing. He didn't look at them apathetically. He didn't look at them as a project. He looked upon them with eyes of love. This is the same God that came to walk and to die for us that we wouldn't have to die in our sin and die in our sickness, that he gave his life so that we could live in him and live and have life abundantly in him. And in his name describes his character. And then we see after the angel Gabriel even gave him his name, his life reflected his name. And his life reflected the messianic prophecies in Isaiah. And so we see this being carried out. And God, is, and, and, and the message of Christ, this, this is God. This is who he is. This is his love. This is his compassion. This is his healing. This is his deliverance. He is the bondage breaker. And healing is simply the practical application of the power and the power of Jesus Christ. It's the basic Christian message of salvation. Not that we speak empty words, oh, you'll be saved later on, you'll be healed later on. No, it's for now, it's for the present. A belief that Jesus means to liberate us from personal sin and from emotional and physical sickness as well. The healing of our humanity, the healing of our spirits, the healing of our emotions, the healing of our bodies. It's an essential part of the message of salvation. And we can now see why Jesus not only did this himself, but he also gave his disciples the power to heal when he sent them out to preach. He said, this isn't just about me. This all people and he says to the 72 in luke chapter 10 whenever you go into a town where where they make you welcome eat what is set before you cure those in it who are sick and say the kingdom of god is very near to you and then in mark chapter 16 verse 15 through 18 before jesus ascends into heaven this is what he says He says to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, and whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, not your name, not in your authority, not in the name of Christianity, not in the name of religion, in my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. And Jesus said in John 14, verse 12, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. They will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And Jesus says to them, freely you have received, freely Give. Freely you have received. Freely give. Each of us here, hopefully, and if you haven't, this is for you, and you can. Each of us here have received forgiveness for our sins. If you've accepted Christ, if you've confessed and repented from your sins, He's forgiven you. Some of us here, have received some physical healings. Some of us here still need healings. Some of us need physical healings. Some of us need emotional healings. But I want to ask you something. He says freely give because you have freely received. It's very easy to freely receive. It's very hard to freely give. Is it possible that maybe some of us aren't getting healings because we've learned the art of receiving but not the art of giving. Is it possible that we're saying to God, God, I want you to heal the brokenness inside of my heart. I want you to heal the pain. But in that same heart of asking and desperately seeking this from God, we harbor resentment, unforgiveness, bitterness to people who have hurt us. And not to take away from the realness and how powerful and how hurtful that stuff is. Is it possible that Jesus is saying, you want me to heal you, but I'm asking you to freely give what you freely want from me. And some of us need to let go of the bitterness. And some of us need to learn to love those who have hurt us. And I know I'm not speaking easy words. But Jesus, who died on a cross, and we're supposed to be imitators of Christ, he died on a cross. And he said, while you were still sinners, I died for you. He said to those, he said, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he calls us to do something very, very difficult for us. And that is to take the, the people that have hurt us and abused us and learn to forgive them. And I want to tell you, you don't have the power to do that on your own. You just don't. And it's only through the power of who he is that you can do that. But is it possible, and this isn't going to be true of everybody, but is it possible and maybe you're walking in darkness and you're walk, walking in, 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 in hurt and in pain that he wants to heal you from, but he's telling you, you need to let go of some things. You need to let go of some things. You need to learn to forgive. I want to tell you some of the most freeing things you can do is when you learn to forgive somebody. You think it's for them, and you realize afterwards, man, that really set me free. But we hold on to our bitterness and we hold on to our pain, and, and we, do, we really desperately and sincerely want God to heal us and to help us and God says I want you to do the same for that person there's stories folks there's stories of people who have cancers and different things where they say hey and this is not true of everybody but you know what God says this is what we should do we should examine ourselves we should love our, our, our enemies there's stories of people who said you know what I, had, I was sick and God showed me I was harboring bitterness in myself towards somebody else and I went and I actually made it right with that person I went back to the doctor and I was healed was healed i'm not saying this is now everybody but could it be could it be that some of us aren't looking with eyes of compassion and love upon other people but we want the eyes of compassion of love of christ to fall upon us love was always present in healings jesus looked upon love at us in our sin and in our shame and he chose to forgive us because he wanted to forgive us he chose to heal us because he wanted to is it possible that we need to look at our hearts and say, is that love of Christ, that compassion, that heart, is it in me or is it not there? And then if you realize, man, maybe, maybe I don't reflect Christ in that same love and that same compassion. Maybe we need to say, you know what, God, before I come, to you and say, I come to you in the name of healing. I come to you in Jesus, the name of salvation, in the name that is forgiveness, in the name that is bondage breaker, in the name that sets the captives free. Before I come to you in that name, I need to learn to set the captives free. I need to let, learn to let go of the people I hold in bondage because of things they've done to me. And in that, guess what? There's healing in that alone when you learn to do that. That's another message. But McNutt writes this. All right, so so, so, so uh, Jesus says to us in, in John 14, verse 12, he says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. McNutt writes this. He says, the church is the continuation of Jesus, the continuation of his saving power in history. So Jesus says this, listen, I'm going away, and I'm going away, but it's good that I go away, because when I go, I'm coming back as the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to come, and He's going to live inside of you, and it's going to be Jesus multiplied in not just His apostles, but in His witnesses in us, and then we are going to be sent out and he says, those who believe in me will do what I have been doing and even greater things. And he says, listen, this power and this authority does not end when I ascend to heaven, but no, it expands and it multiplies and it goes forth with power and authority in the lives of my people. In the lives of us. So we're supposed to be this continuation of Jesus' saving power. And just as Jesus combined both preaching and healing in his presentation of the gospel, so we are too as well. The early apostles carried on the tradition with the same power, preaching and teaching. The Jerusalem church in Peter and the Gentile church in Paul all carry on the same preaching and healing as Jesus himself did because Jesus is the one who is still doing it. Only now he's multiplied in his apostles and in us who can be his witnesses to the end of the world. McNutt continues to write, he says, It is only when we pray in the name of Jesus that we can have absolute assurance and faith in prayer. For praying in the name of Jesus means much more than just using a formula of words. In the Hebrew thought, the name of a person stood for the entire person. When you invoke that name of that person, it says for the entire person. And to pray in the name of Jesus means to pray in the person of Jesus as Jesus himself would pray. I want to read it to you again. To pray in the name of Jesus means to pray in the person of Jesus as Jesus himself would pray. To pray in the name of Jesus means that we must Put on that mind, which was in Christ Jesus, the way we see people in situations as Jesus does. And then speak with the power and the authority of Jesus. And give us hearts, God, that see your people the way you see them. Give us eyes to see the broken and not to reject them and not to be bitter towards them and not to be angry at them because of their failures, but to see them through eyes of compassion and love. And when we see them through eyes, the same eyes that Jesus sees them, through the heart that Jesus has, through eyes of compassion and love, that when we pray for them, we're not praying, oh, heal the sinner. We're saying, God, heal this soul and heal this broken heart and heal this person. I have found that, you know what? In ministry, it's easy to look at people and the way they act and be offended. You know what I found? Is when I actually look more into their lives, and I found this to be so true, I look into their lives and I go back, especially the ones, that, the stories that I know, and I go, man, this person was hurt here, and this person was abused here. And you begin to see, man, all of the hurt they've been through. And then when you get to their actions now, you go, man, praise God. I see how far they've come. I see what God is doing. It changes and transforms the way you see people, it transforms your heart. It's amazing to see what God does with people. I have a front row seat to it, and it's a blessing to see. I love watching transformation processes. And I love having just a, a small role of just doing this. That's Him. That's all I do. It's a, go to Him. That's my job. Go to Him. He did it. Go to him. And getting to see them embrace not me, not my message. Man, if that message leads them to embrace the king of kings and the name that is above all other names. And the name of freedom, the name of salvation. Man, when they encounter him, transformation takes place. And you stand back and go, wow. Don't tell me he doesn't exist. Don't tell me he doesn't live. I've seen too much. And I can stand like those witnesses and go, I've seen it in this person's life. And I'm not just talking about lame people jumping up and walking. I'm saying, man, brokenness. People who've been destroyed in their lives emotionally, turning around and finding hope. I remember a lady came to the church once, and I remember coming up, and she was so broken. And I remember saying to God, God, where do we even start? like, you know, like wow, like this is almost impossible. I remember when she left the church in a good way, she moved away. Man, you couldn't recognize. You could not recognize. This person who came in brokenness, left with joy and peace, and it can't come from good preaching. And it can't come from just being in a good church. It only comes by the transforming power of the name of Jesus. That's the only way it comes. And when you see that, Time and time and time again. All you want to do is point people to Christ. And so Jesus says to them to go out in his name. And this is exactly what we find Peter and John doing. They prayed in the name of Jesus for this crippled man. And 40 years of crippledness leaves him in an instance. 40 years of muscles withering and becoming nothing are regained and restored in an instant and a man who couldn't walk jumps to his feet because he encounters Christ he encounters salvation he encounters freedom he encounters the healing and he the healer and he jumps to his feet and he is praising God walking and jumping and thousands of people see this and cannot deny it and scripture tells us that that thousands of people who heard what had happened believed and the number of men grew to 5,000. Not counting women and children, but the number of men grew to 5,000. I want to tell you what the church needs today is not more or better sermons. It's not about fancy preaching. The best speech giver, the best preacher cannot even come close to what the power of the name of Jesus can do what the church needs to do needs today is to see the power of the Holy Spirit moving through the name of Jesus Christ and lives being transformed that's what the church needs and when that happens it won't be fancy talk that we convince and argue to Christ no they will come face to face if they're the biggest skeptic and go all I know is what I see in front of me and I cannot deny what I see and so this is exactly what happens as we continue the story in Acts. The religious leaders, they seized Peter and John in Acts chapter 4, verses 7 through 22. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name do you do this? They know they're doing it in the name, right? Why? what power, by what name do you do this in? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, If we have been called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Say it's by the power of the ministry that God's given. No. They said, it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It's by that name, by that power, that is how he stands. Then they said, Jesus is the stone that you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind, which we must be saved. And he says, it's all in the name of Jesus. It's all about that name. Verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I want to pause right there. They took note. These unschooled, uneducated men, the only thing that we can realize and come to grips with is, is they had been with Jesus. Then let that be said of us. Man, let that be said of us, that all they can say is, all I know is they hang out with Jesus a lot. That's all I can say is, and they're not just in church, but man, they are preoccupied. They're in love with Christ. They hang out with Jesus. Let that be said of you. Let that be said of me. Let that that be, be, be what the skeptics say. All I know is these people, they hang out with Christ. Verse 14, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. He was in their presence. The same man they had seen crippled. What are they going to say? This didn't happen. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then they conferred together, what are we going to do with these men, they said. And everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Not just stop preaching, don't speak in this name. They're recognizing, man, there's there's something in this name. There's something in this name, salvation. Verse 18, and then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Pause there. That is the story of Christianity. We cannot help but speak of what we have seen and heard. Those witnesses who saw that man jump up, if they weren't Peter and John, they cannot help but speak of what they have seen and heard. You cannot help but speak of what you have seen and what you have heard. This is why Jesus coupled his preaching with healing. It was one and the same. It set the captives free. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them. Because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Peter and John went and prayed with their people. In Acts chapter 4, verse 29 through 31, this is their prayer. They said, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. And what they're saying in this is, And while we speak, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. The church is the continuation of Jesus' saving power in history. Just as Jesus combined both preaching and healing in his presentation of the gospel, and just as the early apostles carried out that tradition with the same power, God has called us to do the same. James five fourteen through 16 says this, Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make that sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. Again, John 14, 12 says, Very truly, I tell you, these are Jesus' words. Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. We're focusing on healing. We're going into a healing service on Good Friday, and I want us to pray, and I want us to fast. That what people come to is not just a healing service that people don't just come to receive it. Man, what they receive is an encounter with Christ, an encounter with the power of the Holy Spirit through the powerful name that is above all other names, the name of Jesus Christ. And in that encounter with Him, there'll be a demonstration, a manifestation of that power through healing, healing physically, healing mentally, healing emotionally, healing spiritually. By the authority and the power of the name that is our salvation, of the name that is our freedom, that the name that is bondage breaker, the name that is above all other names, the name of Jesus Christ. As we close this morning, what I hope is that your eyes and your heart has been, have been opened this morning. I don't know about you, but when I, even when I preach this and I prep, this, so many times I have to stop and I just have to, fall flat on my face and pray because I realized, God, I don't know that I've been praying in that name. I'm just being honest. I, mean, I pray in the name of Jesus all the time, but I didn't really think as much about what I'm saying because it's so easy to develop bad habits and just go, oh, in the name of Jesus. Name of... No, but are you praying in that name? Are you praying? When you invoke the name of Jesus, it's like invoking the name of someone. Hector's right Hector. If I'm saying, hey, in the name of Hector. I'm doing this. Hector's going to be offended if what I'm doing doesn't represent who he is as a person. How many of you like your name be thrown around? In the name of this person, I'm saying this to you. In the name of that person, hold on a second. You better make sure that what you're saying in my name lines up with who my character is. In the name of salvation and freedom, bless my food. Sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? Right, but we say that all the time. It's wrong. I'm just saying. Do we really think that way, man? My hope is that when we pray, when we call in the name of Jesus, man, that we're saying, man, in the name of the person of who Jesus is and who He represents, in the name of salvation in the name of bondage breaker, in the name of freedom giver, that's the name that I stand in. And it's not like I'm standing here in myself. I'm standing in for him on his behalf. And I'm saying in his authority and his power to those that I'm praying for, be healed, be delivered, be set free, be at peace, be restored. Because that's what we do. There is power in the name of Jesus. And before we go any further with healing, we need to know that when we come and we pray in that name, this is what we're doing. And we can come in confidence with authority, knowing that we stand not in the power of someone, or in the power of some super spiritual person, but in the power in Jesus Christ. And yes, we have questions. And yes, I've seen my tooth healed, and I've seen other people I pray for that haven't been healed. And no, I'm not God. And no, I don't have all the answers. But I know this that God who loves can see things that I cannot see. He can see into the depths of hearts, and he knows what he's doing. And his command to us hands on those who are sick and to pray for them. And that's what we're going to do. And we're going to trust Him. And we're going to pray our hearts out. And we're going to trust that there will be a manifestation of the Holy Spirit's power through the amazing name of Jesus Christ. Will you stand to your feet with me this morning? We're going to close in prayer. These altars are open. I want to ask some of our deacons to make themselves available to pray with people. This is not a big drive now. I mean, I don't want you to leave without being prayed for. If you're sick, we want to pray for you. But I also want you to just be in prayer and to be focused on on that Good Friday healing service, that God would move in a special way. Would you bow your heads? Lord Jesus, in that name that is above all other names, in that name that gives us an idea of the love and the compassion of who you are, who God is. God, I thank you that you love this so much that you wanted us to know your character and to see who you are, Lord God. And so you came in an earthly form. Your word became flesh. You became flesh, and you dwelt among us. And in your walking among us, Lord God, you set the captain free and you healed the sick and those who were tormented were set free and those who were in bondage Lord God were released Lord Jesus and God we just come before you and God we stand in the name of Jesus the name of salvation and we say thank you for your mercy and for your grace and for your love and God we want to be good stewards of that Lord Jesus and you said to us freely you have received and freely you must give God we ask you to forgive us God, for the bitterness that we've held against those who have sinned against us. God, for the, for the hatred that maybe we harbor towards other people, for the unforgiveness, whatever it may be that consumes us. God, would you forgive us? And Holy Spirit, through your power, would you change that in us? God, would you give us soft hearts, God? Would you give us the ability to see people through your eyes, eyes of love, eyes of compassion, Lord God, not because they deserve it, because, Lord God, that's how you look upon us. Jesus, would you come and would you heal us? Our brokenness, our sickness, our hearts. And God, would we be healers in your name to those who are around us? we recognize that we are your ministry continued god use us to bring glory to your name to set the captives free and god let us not be wounded ministers Lord god let us be restored healed witnesses who don't move in brokenness but we move lord god having been healed and touched by you that when people see us they will see you we ask this in jesus name amen folks these altars are open if you want to pray We love you guys. God bless, and we'll see you next week. Please continue to pray and fast.